Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today, it's just us. I like it when it's just us. Yeah, it's nice. I like talking to you. Yeah. Dude, we're so busy all the time now, it's like... This is almost like the only time we actually talk. I know. It sucks <laughs> and it's awesome, you know? At least yeah. at least we get this this time, but I feel like we, we're like rushing around doing our own shit in different parts of the business all day and working Until out. nighttime... And Which is the only the only time when Hayden wants to talk, and it's eleven at night, and I have my eyes partially closed, and he wants to. He doesn't just want to talk; he wants to talk about the deepest questions that he's ever had. <laughs> you know, life in other planets, and the way you start those conversations is like life in other planets. Thoughts? I'm like none. <laughs> Got none. Got no thoughts. Good night. So you humor me for a little bit. You, she, she, I, I get to a point where until my eardrums start bleeding straight up. Dude, because I, you don't I get shut to a up. point where I can literally just see her humoring me, and I realize, and I'm like, "Oh, are you done?" And she's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> bye." <laughs> so anyway, we at least we got an hour of of an enjoyable conversation today. Today we talk about. Um, combat sports. We talk about what's lacking in the combat sports science side or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. um, talk about your training. Yeah. We talk about my training, talk about how it's changed since the last fight, talk about nutritional requirement for combat sport athletes, strength requirements for combat sport athletes. Um, we give you guys our opinion and overview of the last UFC card with uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley and McGregor. Burns and Wonderboy. Burns and Wonderboy. And what else? Greg hey, Hardy and uh, the guy who did the shoey. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. remember his name. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. tough sure. one. Um, and, and yeah, that's yeah, pretty much that. it. Yeah. Uh, as always, don't forget to screenshot uh, this episode when you're listening to it. Post it in your stories uh, on social media. Tag me, tag Steffi, tag Hybrid Unlimited. And you'll automatically be entered in a draw to win some of the dopest hybrid legacy apparel in the game. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. Sit back, relax, enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. What's up, sleepyhead? Yo, I got the COVID vaccine and I've been sleeping. Is that a polarizing topic now? It seems like I it. see people posting like, if you got the vaccine, just okay, unfollow listen. me. Okay, listen. Let, let me <laughs> clarify something, okay? Let me clarify something, okay? All right. All right. First of all, if you don't know, now you know that... It is required by certain countries to have that vaccine to come in and out without having to quarantine for who knows how long. Mm -hmm. And I am planning on going to the UK in a few weeks for which I need to have the vaccine. So that's why I got it. Right. I think otherwise, I think if it wasn't because it's a travel restriction, actually, I don't know what I would have done. Like probably at some point I would this have just, just made gotten the it. easy for you. Yeah, exactly. Same for me. I got the... Apparently Johnson Johnson's like the hood one. I know. I, I went to the uh, Joe Rogan, uh, you know, Chappelle thing, and they were all talking about like you know the hoity-toity one is like Moderna, and then you know he's like, yeah, I get, the, I want that one that works sometimes. Yeah. That one shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently, that's what I got too, apparently so. the efficacy of this one is not as great as the other ones. Yeah. Because it because the other ones already have the. They're already updated to protect you against the Delta strain, which is like the latest one uh, as see. well. I, see. I just, but honestly, but but that's the thing. I'm not worried about that. Honestly, I I, I don't think we're part of the de demographic. De 
in most cases, I don't think we're part of the demographic that will suffer from that. Obviously, yeah. there's always the outliers. You know, someone's going to come out and be like, but I have a cousin. He was 22. And it's unfortunate, but it's not necessarily the norm. Yeah. I mean, you're taking an educated risk. You know? Exactly. And you are like, I, I did it because it's one shot. You're done. And then you can just go about your life. Like, I had no negative side effects. You kind of got floored for a day, though, huh? For two days. Two days. You woke up in the middle of the night, like, shaking. I know. Yeah, it was very unpleasant. But then that was that. Then you were good, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, then the next day I slept all day. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's some side effects. Yeah. Yeah. You can say How that. about now though? Um, still sleepy. But I think your sleepiness now is a product of your training. Maybe. I don't know anymore, man. <laughs> I'm tired all the time. I mean, you're training five hours a day, six days a week. That's pretty insane. I think that'll do. Yeah, that'll get you tired. That, that'll, that'll tire you up. I walked into the office today. I'm walking around the gym <laughs> looking for Steffi. And then I come into the office and she's like, that is not a comfortable couch. <laughs> and you were like crammed in with like your head cramped <laughs> like this just to sleep. Like you look like you died. Listen, yesterday I sat down on my bed and I go, Alexa, wake me up in eight minutes. Next thing I know, that was at 3 p.m. Next thing I know, I woke up at 6.15 late for training. I'm like, how did that even happen? How is that even possible? I felt like I entered a time warp, you know? Yeah. And just time sped up. But your training has been getting crazy lately. It has, how's it different now? Because I know, like, you started off training for boxing, like, still doing a ton of strength training. Yeah. And then slowly you switched into more cardio, and now it's like, now it's mostly conditioning I, at least from what i see but yeah. maybe i think that's interesting um because probably a lot of our listeners are either one or the other never had to make the transition so what like you know they're the strength athletes or they're cardio-based athletes or conditioning based athletes. yeah so i mean how it, it's been different in the sense that obviously the last camp in the fight exposed certain areas of weakness that i had to work more on so one of them was um, just high intensity cardiovascular training. So not necessarily the long, slow distance cardio stuff. Cause with that, I do really well. Mm -hmm. It's almost like my body remembers how to pace itself, you know, cause I ran half marathons. I played soccer. I think I have a really good long kind of slow, steady state cardio base that I can, that I, that I've gotten back. But my problem is with the higher intensity stuff. So, which is boxing, right? It's two minutes in the ring of like, all as essentially bursts of all out effort mm -hmm. every five to 10 seconds. And that's what's been the most challenging for me. So, I'll, I'll, you know, my training has been more specific in that we've been working on that more. So specific conditioning and cardio for the purpose of tapping into that kind of anaerobic bursts of effort. Okay. And how, so how are you doing that? Um, so basically it's, um, you know, we do different drills inside and outside of the ring where it's timed. So it's, it's anywhere from 20 seconds to a minute of work, uh, in intervals, whether it's, uh, throwing punches at, you know, with mitts or at the bag or, um, holding dumbbells, um, or doing some other exercise. You've seen me do the, the tire outside, uh, the battle ropes, um, push-ups, whatever it is. It really doesn't matter what you do as long as you're working the energy system that's required for you to work on. Okay. So in, in our case, it's that kind of short explosive bursts for short periods of time, but we work all the way up to a minute. Okay. Are you doing any strength training? Like traditional, what we would call traditional strength training? So this is interesting. Pe uh, Pedro has a really unique way of programming boxing that I've that I haven't seen anybody do. And anyone, you know, any of the experienced boxers that have come with me to train just to, you know, for a day or two has been surprised at that style because it's really not non-traditional. Yeah, Gogo is saying like everybody trains like a lightweight. Compared to them. Yeah, well, like, like, oh. it's like the amount of volume that, that you guys are doing in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the amount of punches you're throwing when you're doing the uh, what's it called combat school. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff, like, you know, heavyweights don't don't usually train like that, I guess. Yeah, everybody trains the same way. Um, 
So essentially the, the strength training is included in the circuits that we do. We do, you know, we, we have barbells, we, we have dumbbells, we have kettlebells that we use for those circuits. And that's how, where the majority of the strength is, um, where, where we train the majority of the strength. But that's mainly because everybody is in season right now. So right. most people are close to a fight or waiting for a fight to pop up. So I think that's why strength hasn't been directly prioritized. Uh -huh. You know, the five reps or three reps or two reps, nothing like that. It's just been kind of included into a circuit. Um, but even once you guys are in season, I feel like your strength training would have to be done at a hybrid because at Mundo, do they even have enough weights for you to lift? For me? Yeah. Right now? Yeah. Oh, come on. Right now. Yeah. I'm weak, man. No. But this is what's si interesting. You know what Simon was saying, actually? Just to talk on that. Huh. He was saying that uh, you were filming a demo video for Animal. And he came in. He's like, he forgot just how ridiculously strong you are. And you had like three plates and a quarter on each side of the belt squat. And you're just doing that cold, no warm up <laughs> for a, just to do a, a video for Animal. And then he was like in his head, he's like, Damn, that's what I was doing for my working sets. <laughs> so you had to <laughs> step so it up the funny. next time you came in. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a very skewed perspective of what strength is. Yeah, I know you're speaking relative to your exactly, exactly your, your peak strength. But but this is what's interesting about Pedro's style. So remember, you remember when we first started doing Olympic weightlifting that we were also, or sorry, when we were first doing powerlifting that we were still doing weightlifting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were doing we were training for. I don't know. I think I was doing the MDUSA tryouts or something like that and uh -huh. still trying to and, and actually trying to prioritize strength a little bit better, a little bit more. And people thought we were up, we were crazy. No, it was actually for um, nationals. No, we were. I think no. we were training AO? for that super total meet that we both won. Whatever. It was several. There, there were actually quite a few. It was like yeah. there was a local meet. There was MDUSA. There was the super total meet. There was the AO for me. And. I guess like that was a time when hybrid kind of was born and, and right. we, and we started getting a, mainly, obviously mainly a lot of positive feedback and positive support, but some backlash from the weightlifting community, especially the American side mm -hmm. or American style training of the, of the weightlifting community. Cause it was something that wasn't, uh, you know, the norm or traditional. It was, there was a, a heavy misconception about strength training as it translates to Olympic weightlifting and that, that word. Huh? That translates word. yeah no carry over is the word yeah, that we hate the same thing though as it or as it relates to olympic weightlifting you know the old school uh train of thought of american weightlifting coaches is that if you do too much strength training that it's gonna make you stiff and slow and you're gonna somehow lose your mobility and also uh for some reason they think if you do bench press you're gonna miss all your snatches yeah you're and also put your, your hands over your head and also they think that for one week doing 10 rep squats is strength and hypertrophy <laughs> that is hilarious to me i always see that with uh with weightlifters but doing, anyway doing we, tens building that pyramid but but anyway, for anyone who doesn't know kind of the the beginnings of of hybrid and 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 what the benefits of training for strength were for me at that point in time when I was doing weightlifting, I think in that one year of combining weightlifting and powerlifting, I made more progress like at, at a much faster rate than compared to my initial few months of Olympic weightlifting. I, oh, for sure. My snatch went up like ten kilos. My clean and jerk went up like fifteen. Yeah, I mean, because when you're making progress, when you're just starting, at, you know, weightlifting or even powerlifting, a lot of the progress that you see in the beginning is just skill acquisition. Yeah. You're just getting better at the movement, so the weight goes up. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're challenging yourself enough to cause, it, like, real adaptations. In right? strength, yeah. In strength. So it's like, <clears throat> you know, in weightlifting, you have guys who are experienced weightlifters who don't prioritize squat, deadlift, bench, any of the strength movements. And... You know, they're doing them at the end of their workout when they're already tired. Mm -hmm. And then they're killing themselves trying to do one kilo, two kilo more in snatch or in clean and jerk. And it's like, if you just took a cycle and did no snatch and clean and jerk, just got your squat and your deadlift up, you'd see five kilos. And you don't even have to go that length. Like you, you can still keep your snatch clean and jerk, but make your strength a priority. So that's essentially what we were doing. You know, we were cycling from strength Strength to skill, strength to skill, strength mm -hmm. to skill, right? So we would do, we would do, uh, you know, a block that had 
snatch maybe two or three times a week and only power snatches or muscle snatches or like just overhead squats precisely for that, right? To keep our range of motion, keep our mobility and, and keep the movement pattern sharp for when we come back. And then we would do maybe two or three times a week of light power clean and push press or light power clean and jerk or light clean and jerks, you know, nothing that, something that would take us 10 minutes to do. And then the main session was the the strength, right? The bench, the squat and yeah. the deadlift. And it's incredible just how well, how well it works, especially when your technique is dialed in as a weightlifter. So basically the same principle can be adapted to any other sport. And again, it's what I used to say. It's so funny how it's repeating itself because it's what I used to say about uh, when we were, we talk about this, every single other sport, every single other traditional sport requires a certain uh, baseline level of strength right. and body awareness, right? It, 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 it is absolutely necessary, not only for the purpose of improving athletic performance, but also for the purpose of um, managing injury risk, right? We know that strength is the most efficient um, the most efficient, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Guard, not guard. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I can't what's say the word? word either. Buffer. Yeah, there you go. Strength is the most efficient buffer for, for injuries. Right. You know, you're making your tendons stronger, your bones stronger. Your, your nervous system is aware of certain movement patterns and how you're doing things. So That's why, quote unquote, prehab programs are silly. A prehab program is just a well-written strength and conditioning program right yeah no it's 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 a weak strength and conditioning program uh, a prehab one is yeah no yeah but what i'm saying is like you can skip that and just do the strength strength and, and that strength. is actually what works yeah exactly yeah. so if all if athletes of of all other disciplines are doing that what makes you think that weightlifters don't need it or that weightlifters would it would hinder you if you're a weightlifter or in the case now of combat sports mm -hmm. what makes you think that lifting in periods of time when you're farther away from a competition or periodize in a way that makes sense based on your main thing your sport if it's organized appropriately if it's if it's um undulated properly in terms of the load the frequency and and the intensity and everything then there's no reason why it should it should hinder you. And I see, I see this, listen, every time I go to a boxing gym and people see my physique coaches, they immediately at first assume that I'm slow. Oh, you know, with, with all that muscle mass, you know, you're going to. Have you ever it, seen a sprinter? Yeah. I don't know. Jacked. Yeah. It's like, oh, with all that muscle mass, you're going to have a really good, hard time lasting in the ring or you're going to, you're, you're probably really stiff and slow. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand why they think that one can't exist without the other. You think it's uh, sort of that like wishful thinking that like powerlifters have when it comes to cardio? Or powerlifters 100%. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to hurt my gains, you know, but really we're just being fat, lazy powerlifters. 100%. They're in denial. Like, they just don't, so, don't want to have to do the extra, <laughs> the extra work. So, so that's one. And the other is what I was telling you about how people get caught in old ways mm -hmm. that Oh, yeah, probably they worked. You know, there's there's been many world champions, I bet, that never lifted a weight in their life. But just because something works doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it's the best way. Right. Yeah. There there can be a there is there are better ways. There are more things that you can do to, to enhance your game and to improve your performance that maybe you didn't even know existed. That's why I think it's so important to to kind of always be receptive to to changes in 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 trends and to what's coming out in research and what other people's are what, what other people are doing but it's hard it's hard to change kind of people's preconceived notions of of topics like this where everybody is everybody considers themselves an expert right yeah you know? especially if they've been a professional boxer or whatever for a long time that's what you're exposed to yeah like you said people who are doing something that has worked for them and they just maybe can't see that something else could work better so yeah. how would you then, I guess, what are you sneaking in strength sessions then? Or <laughs> like, how are you, uh, how are you still kind of sticking to what you believe in? So it's July 14th and I'm sorry, Julio. I'm two months out of, of my fight. Whoa. 
I know. So it's oh. it's coming up close. So at this point, I've honestly, starting now, I'm going to be a lot better at just not doing extra work and st and really sticking, committing 100% to the plan. Because um, there's there's really no room. There should be no room for error mm -hmm. as the fight gets closer and closer. But, um, you know, prior to that or or when I'm further away from a fight, I was still including three times a week of strength training. Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, an upper body session, a lower body session, and a full body session. Um, just prioritizing the main the main lifts and then just a couple accessory exercises afterwards. Nothing crazy. Um, I wasn't really I wasn't really too concerned about progressive overload and trying to lift more than the session before. I'm being really careful about that because I can get carried away yeah, with that stuff. You're yeah. just lifting RP base basically, right? Yeah. Yeah, Not what what what's on the on the bar just what intensity you're supposed to work to. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever feels challenging for that day for the rep scheme that I'm doing kind of thing. But I I think it's it's imperative. It's so important to to keep strength as a backbone is what we say. Strength should be the backbone of athletic performance. You know, if you don't have a solid strength base and and I'm not saying that you need to be a, a you know, powerlifting world, world champion level strength, but you need to have a baseline of strength. For sure. I see it in people that I train with. I see how you you see how different I move to like other girls just because I have that awareness. I have that like core strength, that like just solid movement. You, yeah, you, have, that, you have that ability to, it sounds sexist, but like kind of just pick things up the way a guy does, like an athletic guy. Yeah. You know, because I've seen a lot of athletic girls and then it's like, hey, throw a football and it like goes backwards. Yeah. You know, but for you, you can be like, it's like a perfect spiral first time. You yeah. just had that aptitude. Yeah. And I think that comes along with strength training when you're younger and doing a lot of, you know, not just sports, but I think like GPP style, uh, you know, exercise when you're younger. Yeah, for sure. And like, as far as a misconception about strength training making you slower, I think where people get it wrong is that you will produce positive training adaptations at the thing that you most frequently practice right. and the thing that you prioritize, right? What are you doing? What, what do you do? What do you think that I'm getting to a boxing gym and maxing out my bench and then trying to do a whole boxing <laughs> session? Yeah. That wouldn't make sense. Right. So I'm doing my whole boxing session and then maybe then if I still have energy and, I, and if it makes sense with the workout I have the following day, maybe I'll do a three by five, you know, to maintain some, some level of strength, to build some level of muscle or maintain a certain, you know, a certain body composition. But that's how you think about it. Same with weightlifting. Okay. So the priority is you're a weightlifter. Your priority is snatch, clean, and jerk. Okay. So, but you still want to get stronger in bench. Cool. Go do your snatch, clean, and jerk. And at the end of the session, maybe once or twice a week, you do your bench. What, why, what, how do you <laughs> think that one or two bench press sessions a week are going to make you completely inflexible? Yeah, it makes sense. It just doesn't make any sense or slow. If if, if the majority did. of the time you're moving fast, of course, your body doesn't f erase. It, it's not. It doesn't substitute one for the other. You can also do bench in a way that's conducive to getting faster. Right. You can also do bench press for reps really fast. Uh huh. Yeah, speed reps. Exactly. Bands, all that stuff. Exactly. So there's technique. There's many ways. It, it, it's not the um. What's that saying about the poison? Do you know? I think it's a Spanish thing. Uh, is it a Spanish thing? Is it thing? like everything's poison? It's just a matter of dose. Yeah. That one? Yeah. 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 Same thing with with exercise. Everything can screw you up. Screw you up if you're just doing the wrong thing a lot. Exactly. Or, or if or if it's priority. Or if it's lot. yeah, if it's dosed inappropriately. If you're putting the thing in a place where it shouldn't be, it's gonna mess you up no matter what. But it's possible to put it in a place where it will actually help you, and that's yeah. the point. You know, that's the point. The thing is, again, like in weightlifting, in combat sports, coaches are extremely old school and stuck in their old ways and don't believe in, in changing anything that they do. And it's, it's a challenge. And the same applies for nutrition. So this has been, that has been one of the most frustrating things ever because every gym I go to at least once, somebody asks me if I walk around at fighting weight. And honestly, this is a lighter lightest i've been in i swear in like maybe five to eight years you're under 125 right yeah wow 
I'm walking around at under 125. And most most boxers actually walk 20 or 30 pounds over their fight weight. Yeah, because they get like 36 hours. And then the technique and then the techniques that they use to cut weight Terrible. are absolutely insane. Yo, Cap, can you believe these guys? Can you believe these guys are wearing sauna suits a week out of weigh-ins because they think that's gonna help them like lose weight? In the in the suit. Explain can you explain that logic to me? It's weird. It, they, they, they literally think dehydration is weight loss. It, that's they, what it yeah, seems like at yeah. least, right? But then they go have a glass of water and then they're like, oh, I didn't lose any weight. No. Like, is and, and, and in fact, there might even be like a super compensation effect mm-hmm. afterwards. I'm the trash. Like you're, I'm the trash my last month training. Yeah. Yeah, you really are. It's so you're, silly. And they do. And they do, man. They trash their last month of training, not only with the, with the water stuff, but also with their food. Because yeah. they're, th- they're coming in. Th- How are you going to lose 30 pounds in a month if not starving yourself? And they're also doing weird things like no carbs. No carbs. <laughs> oh, my God. The no sure. carbs thing. The no carbs things gets me, man. Okay, so listen. Pretty much they're all doing everything backwards. You know, you know all those videos that you make that are like, you here's this silly nutrition myth and you're like who still believes this stuff it, combat, combat sport sports. athletes <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's who. listen so this is this is this is what's going to happen here okay <clears throat> remember when we first got into powerlifting and remember when we start started saying like this is the end of the no the era of the fat powerlifter is over the era of the fat powerlifter is over uh-huh. like that stereotypical bearded massive bloated hairy stinky guy that grunts <laughs> purple, and is purple. purple. And color. Yeah. That's the, that was what we were fighting against and right. we did it. We did it. Like, look what powerlifters look like nowadays. That's so dope. Yeah. You don't know if they're bodybuilders or powerlifters. We're it could be any or fight. sprinters. Like, they look so much more athletic. Yeah. And I'm not saying we did that, but we played a role. We definitely played a role in promoting it. Exactly. And we were part of that big exactly new push i think also the fact that raw powerlifting became uh more popular uh has helped out a ton because before it was like the more disgusting fat mass that you could cram in a (laughs) suit the the more you know tension and pressure was going to be there the more it was going to help you lift it's like those guys the hardest part of the squat for them is literally going down same with the bench press touching their chest is the hardest but we also fought against a misconception that the the whole mass moves mass mass thing. Yeah, lean mass moves mass. Exactly. Not exactly. Just being a, a dough boy. Exactly. But man, like there were people who would put on 10, 20 pounds, thinking that that was gonna make him hit hundred pound PRs on the meat or something. Yeah. Just by magic, you know. Yeah, you'd have like little five foot six dudes being like, "I'm gonna move up to two forty two. Why? <laughs> just lift more. I get strong at the weight, the weight class you're at. You're already chubby. For that, honestly, for especially for strength sport, sports, the best advice is to, if you want to move up a weight class, to let your body naturally do that. You know? Like, don't restrict your calories. Will, yeah. Don't restrict your calories. Maybe slightly increase the amount of protein and carbs that you eat. You know, slightly. Mm-hmm. And and see what happens. Because that's how I went, like, up in weight. Yeah. I got all the way up to, like, 136 at one point. And yeah, I never, can. I never intentionally planned on doing that, but I was, I was eating for the purpose of fueling my workout sessions, you know, with, without regard for my weight. Yeah. And you were also, um, I think it was just a product of like, as you got stronger, you know, the volume, even if you kept all your sets and reps the same, the volume goes up because the weight's going up. You're, you're moving more weight. Right. And that's creating adaptations. Exactly. So. So, yeah, I mean, that happens naturally for anybody who wants to move up weight classes, just slightly increase the amount of, of food that you eat and do more work. You know, Otherwise, but- you get in that horrible uh, situation. This happened to me when I moved to 198 for the first time. Where I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to eat whatever I want for this entire prep. I won't even have to cut for this meat. And then, boom, next thing you know, I'm 205. <laughs> and now I'm cutting to 198. Oh, I'm my like, God. Oh, the dream lasted like a week. Yeah, so and now I you're think, still cutting. Huh? And now you're still cutting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five years later. Uh, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, in combat sports, the whole, you know, I, I see, I, I see a lot, 
most fighters really do the whole dieting for the fighting correctly, but also the dieting for just for performance, they do incorrectly. Mm -hmm. what, what you were saying, training depleted, you know, mm -hmm. not or fasting and, and doing a three hour boxing. Boxing sessions are some of the most intense workouts that I've ever done. And I've played many sports. Yeah. And I can tell you that they're brutal. Okay. Yeah. Most gyms have no AC. They're hot as fuck. Most we have several times a week. We have the sessions on purpose in the sun <laughs> on the track you know, at midday in Miami, Florida. I mean, honestly, on the track in the middle of, of summer in the Florida sun is a cooler environment than inside that gym that you train at. at <laughs> Probably, honestly. Dude, I go in there and I'm just, I'm like this. I'm trying my best not to move and I leave with my shirt soaked. Yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. They are an athlete-focused meat company. Uh, always, never, ever, no hormones, no antibiotics. They source from ranchers who are for the animals to free-range graze in low-stress environments on nutrient-rich regenerative grass. Montana is known for having very productive farmland and the nutrient-rich grass consumed by the animals is passed on to us. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their bodies. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be, and the more efficient they will run. Quality, convenience, small batch, that's Stay Classy Meats. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. But yeah, even just like the their understanding of, of energy balance, they really don't get it. They don't understand uh, the importance of protein requirements for combat sport athletes. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the recommendation nowadays is 2 point is at least 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight. Mm -hmm. That's a shit ton of protein. And yeah. I'm willing to bet that not even not even 10% of the guys that train the people that train at my gym get that. Yeah. That that's of lean mass and if you're a strength focused athlete though, right? No, combat sports. Like I literally read through the Sigma uh, nutritional recommendations for combat sport athletes and that was a recommendation. Yeah. Then it's there the understanding about the importance of sodium. I mean, that was yeah. crazy. I and brought potassium. I brought some sodium potassium tabs the other day with me to the gym, and people so looked at me as if I was crazy putting sodium in my body. Wow. Meanwhile, it, meanwhile, we're all losing, man, at least three to five pounds after every session. You've seen how depleted you I look, look you after look like I've you just cut to make way for a powerlifting meet, like a big cut. You yeah, know, so your face my is all face is sunken in, in. Your eyes are sunken back. Yeah, and that's just one session. And these guys refuse to put sodium in their water and refuse to like drink a lot of water during the session because they want they want to seem tough. Like today, we were outside. I was running with um Philip. I forget what his name is, but is this uh, football players die doing that Croatian guy. And after every two minute, after every uh, three minute round, the, the coach would you know allow us to drink water, and he would go. Uh, uh, water no win and i'm like no drink your water dude you're gonna die of a heat stroke out here it's a hundred degrees oh my god you know so yeah i don't know what it is i don't know what it is they don't understand like you know the importance of that and how much water they need to be to be uh, drinking during and after a session, how they should supplement with uh, potassium and sodium or, or other electrolyte beverages and all of these different things. And then, yeah, the, the carb thing, that, that one is mind-blowing to me. Mm -hmm. 
and it's not just our opinion too. We've talked about this with people uh, who work really closely with combat sports athletes. I remember last time we were in Vegas, we were talking to Andy Galpin about it and he's like, uh, it's just starting like the science of, of performance nutrition and strength training, uh, like on a high level is now just permeating into mixed martial arts. I think mainly pro- probably because they have that USC facility there. Um, in Vegas where they have doctors and dietitians and all that stuff. But he's like, it's just starting with them. It's hard to convince them. And then you go to boxing and there's nothing, nothing in boxing. There's nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Cause there is, there's not a centralized, like, okay, there's Bellator and there's K one and there's, uh, or there's one fighting championship and all those other ones. But UFC all like almost has a monopoly on it. All the best fighters are in the UFC, mm-hmm. right? So they have the ability to like put a big facility like that up. Whereas in boxing, they're all spread out everywhere. Signs yeah. different uh, promotions. And yeah. It's like, I think it'd be a lot harder for them to do something like that. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. But so just to uh, wrap up the, the topic of nutrition for combat sports, let's start with the importance of protein. Protein is are basically the building blocks for your muscles. You need it in order to build lean mass to recover from for, for muscle protein synthesis. So after workouts, when you've when you've trashed all of your muscles, you need a certain amount of protein in your in your system to be able to build yourself back up and maintain as much lean mass as you can, which is in your best interest. Like not only mm-hmm. will it improve your body composition, it'll help you recover recover better from your workouts, um, and it'll help you retain a larger amount of lean uh, of lean mass. So yeah, the recommendation is 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight, not even lean mass. It's 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight. Damn, it's a lot. It is a lot. I forget what the number for uh, that they give for water was, but it was. Man, I don't I know. I thought traditionally it was an ounce per pound of body weight a day. No, they had another one. They had a different one for combat sports. Oh, okay. But it's probably something similar. Like they, they Whatever. all. More they're all just kind of a rule of thumb type. Yeah, thing anyway. it's all approximation. Yeah. Um. Then obviously, carbohydrates. I I don't know why in combat sports they have something against carbs that I really don't understand why, but. I mean, it just shows their lack of understanding of of physiology and energy systems. You know, carbs are the preferred fuel of choice for high intense activities. Mm-hmm. So you're using glucose in order. Your body's using glucose to perform all of those acti- like high burst, high energy demand activities. Um, and then obviously, boxing is interesting because um, you know, especially when you're when you start doing the longer uh, longer fights the Uh 8 10 12 rounders obviously it's a mix of aerobic and anaerobic so at that point your body's going to use carbs fats and your muscle to in order to regenerate enough energy um but it's important to go go into those either long training or long long fights long trainings or long fights with um uh full with your glycogen stores full because that's what's going to fuel your sessions and that's what's going to make you feel good. I've seen a lot of people go into the gym and they they complain about feeling flat or feeling right. weak. Yeah. And it's exactly that. I've even experienced it myself. Sometimes if I have training too early in the morning and I don't and I don't eat breakfast, maybe I didn't even have like a solid dinner the night before, I feel that I feel like my punches have like no snap, no power just feel slow, you know, uh-huh. like I want to move fast and I want to be explosive, but my body literally can't do it. So it, that's why, because you're not eating enough carbs. And I'm not saying go crazy with carbs. I'm saying, you know, eat the right amount for you. Depends on your body weight, your activity level and all and, those things. And if you are cutting or whatever, you can still have, you can plan to have the majority of your carbs around your training sessions. So you at least feel good Man, but in hey, your training sessions. For, for the amount of training that these guys do, even like a low amount of carbs is still going to be solid. You know, for somebody, for a guy who's 200 pounds training three, four hours a day, mm-hmm. they can easily keep their carbs at 250 and still lose weight. Oh, for sure. And the bigger guys, I'm sure, weigh more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and even us. I mean, I think now I'm eating like, I'm eating a ton. Well, I mean, when I'm in my maintenance, uh, carbs are like 300 to 320 grams. Yeah. So it's, yeah, and I'm not doing any aerobic activity, really, just yeah. like casual cardio. 
yeah. site. I'm sure, I'm sure they can have a, a ton. Yeah. The thing is that they need to get into the the mentality of, you know, not going up and down weight that drastically, that aggressively, especially if they have subsequent fights afterwards. Yeah. So, man, like you're cutting, you're doing, a, you know, you're you're cutting Say you're cutting 20 pounds of body fat in six weeks and then 10 pounds of water weight for the fight. That's that's a lot. That's a that you're putting your body to work when you're doing that. And then they fight and then they blow up. The following week is insane or following two weeks is insane. I've seen some pictures from the guys that fought uh, bare knuckle uh, a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and they've blown up. I'm not going to say names, but they've blown up. They look like different people. Wow. It's crazy. So, you know, they're just making their lives incredibly, incredibly more like difficult. The best guys don't do that. Oh, for I sure. A professional is a professional. I don't, I don't you know? think Canelo's like sitting there eating no. cake for a week getting no. fat as hell. No chance. You no know? chance. I, I mean, we never, we don't know, right? <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. He looked pretty svelte out there in his little golf tournament he, thing he, he was did. doing. He did, but at the same time, <laughs> it's Canelo. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he's the best for a reason. Exactly. He's got it all dialed in. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, fighters, combat sport athletes, if you're listening to this, change it. <laughs> you know? Head over to HyperNutrition.com. Let us help you. Let us enlighten you. Oh, that's a good plug. With right. science. But, but this real. wasn't meant to be a plug. This was it literally just, just this was just our observations. And, and I'm just doing my due diligence of calling people out when they need to be called out. So That's what you do. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, you guys fix up, man. Like be be professionals and 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 trust nobody except for science. And even then, sometimes you can't even trust it. But you can't really trust anything. <laughs> you can, What is the point, Catherine? This turned into something nihilist. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, but for sure, check us out. Um, in terms of your own training, though, I guess that's. Uh, no more trips really for you except the UK one but that's because it's a boxing trip yeah you know? I'm 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 going to the UK to chase my coach yeah uh, he thinks I'm absolutely insane Pedro because he's going for two weeks because he has two fighters fighting and I go uh, it's and what am I gonna do for those two weeks oh no such and such is at the gym and I'm like no way I'm coming <laughs> uh, he can't get rid of me <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. You're trying to soak it all in. You're, you're new and you're eager to learn. You do whatever it takes, just like you do with powerlifting. Exactly. Um, yeah, but aside from that, you missed a sweet trip to Vegas where me and Caesar got to go see Joe Rogan. We got to see uh, Dave Chappelle, surprise opening by Tom Segura, and then the next night we went to the fights. And you watch the fights here, right? Yeah. It's not the same, let me tell you. But um, <laughs> Listen, tell me what you thought. Tell me what you thought. There's so much happened on that card. I know. It, it was a unbelievable. crazy card. First of all, to, I, I don't know what to make of the Sean, of the Sean O'Malley fight. No, one, listen, the Sean O'Malley fight, okay. Do I think Sean O'Malley is an absolutely amazing fighter? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Big, big fan, fan of Sean O'Malley. He has personality. He has a really interesting style. Mm -hmm. He fights really well. He's like super fluid and, and unorthodox. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. The guy's a, he's a showman. I like it. He came out of a big loss with a thing that happened to his leg. Yeah. You know, he had he a lot of... He fought after, after... Yeah, he, he, he broke... He, no, this hurt, was he his, hurt his leg against Cheeto Vera, which ultimately led to his law, to a loss. Right. That was... I think this was his first fight back. I thought he had one. No, we would have known. Okay, either way. Actually, now I'm second-guessing myself. Remember, I don't know either. But um, but either way, every time he fights, there's been a question mark because he hasn't fought anybody in, like, the top 15 yet, you know? So everybody's like, is he is he that good or is he just not fighting that good of guys? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I what I saw this fight was a lot different to, to that fight where he broke his leg or his foot or whatever. I didn't seem him take that many risks and do that many like crazy interesting things yeah he wasn't he was kind of like you know he landed a ton of shots 
but he, they weren't like he wasn't going for kill shots. He was popping in and out, you know. He, he was getting some big combos in, but he wasn't like loading up. He was just like, you know. But why he wanted to make the fight last? Uh, I don't think so. I think he thought he just hit him enough that he'd fall down. Yeah, and but for like he 90% wasn't. of people, you know, he would have. He dropped him with a straight at one point, but that was early on in the fight. And then the guy just zombie mode pushed forward the entire time. I know. It was crazy. That and was then, crazy to watch. And people were like, the, everyone around was booing that they, they stopped the fight with 30 seconds left. And it's like, you should let him go out on his shield. It's like, no, man, there's a brain inside that head. That's so hurt <laughs> right and, now. Yeah, and they Why actually, are you going to let that thing get pounded for another 30 seconds? It's done. He's not coming back. No. He he didn't he didn't catch uh, Sean O'Malley with any big shots. Yeah. Like it was, there was nothing happening. Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing he, miraculous he that could have happened. Already. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's, I think Herb Dean gets so much shit, but uh, I think he made a good call there. Yeah. Oh, he did? Who did he fight? I can't remember it. Me neither. Did he win? Yeah, yeah. That's um, what he remember. He has, he has one loss technically, but he doesn't count it. So his he made all those shirts that said thirteen and zero. He still <laughs> still says still undefeated every time he wins. <laughs> He's like that was a fluke. It doesn't count. That's cool. I mean, I respect that. Yeah, he um, but yeah, I know. Well, he called out a bunch of people. He called out a bunch of people in like the top five. So I think he's gonna end up uh, fighting someone good in the next one. So we'll know. Yeah, no. I, I mean, it seems like Dana White really likes him. They're grooming him to be like the next McGregor, it seems. Because he's yeah. interesting, right? Like the guy who's got the belt in his weight class now, like interesting style, but won because of Peter uh, Jan need him while he was on the ground. So he won. He got knocked out and, and won the belt, which is the first time that's ever happened. It's also insane. I feel like that should have been a draw. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to win a championship by losing... And then on, the on a, in a technicality, yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, how that works is interesting to me. Like how they groom certain fighters to become the next thing in the sport. I was thinking about that when I was watching the McGregor documentary. Yeah. How, because he gets filmed in his like humble beginnings. Where yeah, UFC's already all over him. It's like, you, how did you even know? This right. Guy, this guy, you're literally filming him while he's in Cage Warriors and yeah. he's living in his mom's house with his girlfriend like, yeah. in the basement. Yeah. And poor, you know? Yeah. So how did you know? I mean, obviously, he, he I guess he had all the signs of, of being a potential talent, but it's crazy to me that they invested that much and it actually played out. So I'm just curious to, I'm just curious as to how, like, how much does that actually happen? Yeah. Well, you know, they did that with Eddie Hall. Remember that? We watched that documentary and they're literally f filming him from the time he's like 10th, you know, halfway through the documentary, he's fourth. And then it wraps up with him winning. Right. But here's the thing. And it's like years. Out. Okay. But here's the thing. Strongman is different to fighting in that you actually have to fight for that spot. Right. Like everybody is on the same arena. Uh, in what? In strongman. Oh, yeah. Whereas like in, in fights, in combat sports, you are... Essentially, Dana gives you permission to fight, like he invites you to right. fight based on many different things, like not only your skills as a fighter, based, it's mainly your skills as a fighter, your ability to sell tickets, you know, your yeah. personality. Yeah, and they're like, and because they, they want Sean O'Malley to do well, they don't throw him in against the top five guy right away. Exactly. They let him beat up on a bunch of, you know, exactly. 20, 20, 25 place guys um and then what else what else who has another good fight well that i mean we'll get to that obviously burns and wonder boy uh everybody everybody around me i mean i guess they're, they're just casual fans and they're like everybody thought wonder boy was gonna win burns was an underdog i'm like there's no way that guy loses mm -hmm. as an absolute animal he's good stand-up black pretty sure he's black belt bjj and wonder boy's great but he's 40 something years old and you know pretty much just a kickboxer so that was good i won money on that fight so i was happy nice um who else was good oh the uh australian guy who came up to the spice girls and then knocked huh. out greg hardy and then drank a beer out of his shoe yeah that was uh 
unnecessary. That was a lot. That was a lot to to take in. And also, just a what a look that guy had, huh? Like nothing about him. I'm just made me think this guy's going to win. I'm just curious as to how how did it happen? How did it go from him being in a meeting with his team and being like, you know, it'd be cool if Can I you shut up, um, Dexter, for us. Thank you. If I came out to, you know what song I'm going to pick for my walkout? Spice Girls. Yeah, he's for sure just that guy, though. And then after I win, I'm going to pour beer in my shoe and drink it. Apparently, he does that all the time. That's like a thing. It's called a shoey. And I think you spit in it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what you do. You pour beer in. I know what a shoe is, but no. I think other people are supposed to spit in it and then you drink it, right? That's yeah. gross. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> you do a shoey after your next one? No. Um, but yeah. oh, oh, my God. You want to listen to something hilarious, actually, that, yeah. I, okay, that <laughs> happened to me this morning. Yeah. So, you know that they bully me at that gym, right? Uh-huh. In the best of ways, by yeah. the way. I'm not actually being serious. But um, I am... Fi- Cesar, you're going to love this. Listen to this. I'm finally at a place where I'm the one being bullied. <laughs> I know, beach, yo. So for years, for years, I've been terrorizing people around me, <laughs> making fun of them. Huh? Yeah, Caesar. Every time I see him alone, he's curled in a ball, crying about something I said two years ago. Yep, I've been with you for six years. My self-esteem is shot. <laughs> Nick is no, he still doesn't know. I'm he's, taking it he's easy on and you. Naive. I'm taking it easy on you, kid. You are, you are. I'm, I'm taking care of you for now, till you're 25, and then you know, yeah. <laughs> so no, so at this gym, so at this gym, uh, I don't know. Everybody has everybody. I'm everybody. Everybody picks me to pick on, essentially. You're like the little sister, right? But I love it. Like I don't care at all because I've been on the other side. I know how that goes. <laughs> I understand. So anyway, so today the coach goes, um. That the that the commentators and some and the people on the live stream during my fight were saying that they were disappointed that my shorts were too, so big and not revealing enough. And I was like, "What?" And and then and then the coach goes, "He's like, yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I agree with him. You you that that thing that you wore made you look like an old lady. <laughs> what? An old lady from the '60s." And I'm like. Fuck. No way, dude! I thought that was sick. That gladiator outfit you had. I don't know, but I'm I'm changing it up for next time. I guess so. Can't be getting ridiculed like that. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So, what do you think of the McGregor fight? Here's so I I found myself making excuses for McGregor, and I listened to. Brandon, uh, Schaub. Brandon Schaub and he was talking about how that's just what you we do because we as like a community of fight fans love McGregor so it's like every time he loses there we have a reason for it oh uh the the Khabib fight well that's because he didn't really train that hard for it oh mm-hmm. uh you know the other Poirier fight that's because he was training to boxing to fight Manny Pacquiao so he wasn't preparing properly you know uh which one? What other? What other ones? This one. Oh well, he broke his leg. It would have gone. You know, it's just like we always have something. But if he keeps losing, can we keep, you know, saying that? Yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, there's still a part of me that's like, yeah, but he did break his leg though, so maybe he'll come back next time and win and be better. Okay, I mean, here's the thing. There's no doubt that McGregor is a phenomenal fighter. He's right. had an impressive career. For many, 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 many years. You know, uh-huh. he's been undis- like undisputably one of the best fighters that UFC has ever seen. Right. right? Two-division champion. Can't take that away from him. Yeah, exactly. And just stylistically speaking and and just... Oh, Karate Sense McGregor. Those yeah. Those the days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I love him. And, um, you know, he's 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 built himself to the place where he's at now. And what happens is that when you're at the top... 
Yeah. Oh, this is what I was saying the other day, right? Yeah. When you're at the top, just everybody wants to everybody wants to see the person who's at the top and who's been at the top and who's making a shit ton of money without even having to be in the sport. Everybody wants to see that person fail. Everyone everybody wants to see someone break McGregor's face or whatever it is. You know, and and I get that because that that is exciting. Like I I'm a McGregor fan, but that'd be something interesting. Like that was something interesting to see to see Poirier beat him. You know. Yeah. I also think there's a bit of a case of, this is what I was saying to you before, where everybody can relate to like the come up story, right? Everyone loves that like rags to riches, um, you know, broke guy, overcoming the odds, doesn't have much, he's beating all the best guys, you know? But then as soon as you make a hundred million dollars off a fight and then sell part of your company for another hundred million dollars, no, you're not the everyman anymore that everybody can relate to now. You're the evil rich guy who's mm -hmm. be, who's making fun of the poor, not as wealthy fighters, you yeah. know? So it's like, I get why it's happening, but also now knowing why it's happening, it's like, it's kind of annoying. What I, look at this. That dog is such a freaking nut, man. Always sitting back there distracting the hell out of me while we're podcasting. <laughs> what I, what I find, I don't know, what, what I don't understand is given the amount of financial success that McGregor has had over the past few years uh -huh. and have and and given that he was formally retired yeah you know okay so he got called out he got the opportunity to fight again cool if you want to take that take it but take the training camp seriously yeah. you know there was way too many there's too many distractions around him he has way too much going on with his kids his wife his companies traveling like all these other things that You know, he, 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 and, and he isn't fighting with that, with that like passion and with that fire inside anymore. He's achieved everything that there is to achieve. And th that's what I was telling you the other day about, because we were commenting on, uh, Paul versus Askren fight yeah, and how like Askren has done, you know, he, he's an amazing fighter, but yeah. it definitely Hall, looks, Hall of Famer. It, yeah, but it definitely looks like he kind of underprepared. And then I put myself in there in myself in their shoes. I'm like. If in five to ten years' time somebody challenged me, you know, to go head-to-head -head on a deadlift competition for the deadlift world record at 123, whatever it is, like, I don't even know if, if that's something that would really, really interest me. Like, if there's a lot of money down the line, I would take it to make the money. Right. But I don't think that I could, I don't think that I could pull out the same fire out of me that that I had when I was when I was in my prime competitive powerlifting years like what if it was I, a new goal like what if because you've always had the goal for example of being the lightest woman to deadlift 600 pounds but that's a me thing you know like that would be for me that is an internal drive it's inter but it's for me for it's not to prove anything to anybody or to beat anybody else it's it's for me if I did yeah. that it'd be for me you know and and that's powerful but to do it for because someone else called you out like who the fuck are you You know, you whoever. don't think McGregor's doing it because he just loves fighting and wants to fight. Like he said, at least in his interviews, is that like, why are you still doing it? He's like, because all of the greats have like endless uh, highlight reels. He's like, yeah, I've done it all. I've won the belts, all this stuff, but I still want to keep building my highlight reel. It's like, I'm here for a legacy. And that's what to me what a legacy is. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. But then, I mean, be dialed in for the fight. No. Yeah. Like super dialed in for the fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's true, man. And we don't know because I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm speaking out of my ass to a certain extent because I don't know what his camp looked like. True. We all just assume that he's like living like Danville's area. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. No. But listen, you know, congratulations to Dustin Poirier. He's, I, I've seen how, I've seen firsthand how he trains. I know he's dialed in. I know mm -hmm. he trains really, really hard. And he's shown time after time that he's, he's been improving his skills as a fighter every fight almost. Um, and, I thought he looked amazing in that fight. Yeah. But this is the only thing that upsets me about that, about the whole, that whole fight was, and again, it has to do with the Paul brothers. Like, I don't know, man. I really, and you know that I really struggle with, with that, that, the, the fine line between entertainment and disrespect. Like I get it that you want to make it entertain, entertaining and you want people to like, 
talk about what you're saying, what you're doing, and 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 you want, you know, he's playing the heel, and we really don't, we really don't know to what extent, like it's it's an act, and to what extent they mean what they're saying and how they're saying it. I I don't know as a as a as a person who's mildly involved and who's also a fan of the sport. I'm confused. I don't really know. And as a professional athlete who's 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 been at the top in in different sports. I know for a fact that I wouldn't feel good if that was happening to me. Like I wouldn't feel good if if I have a loss and somebody makes a little uh, like makes no. a joke out of me, you well, know, like yeah. that. Well, yeah, the whole world is doing it to him now. You know. Right, but but it's because of the influence that that Jake Paul has. You think? Just Yeah. Him? I think a lot of people want to see him him fail just because of how, you know, like we said before. But I I mean, he's definitely not helping and he's the guy with the biggest platform that's uh, you know, People always like yeah people people love kind of hopping on the bandwagon of like someone hating on someone, but but you need that you need that one person to lead the shit talking for all the other people to like hop on. Yeah, there's got to be a first one. There has to be a first one. So, and to the extent that they are doing it, it's just to me, I don't like that. I I really don't like that. I think there's a tactful way of doing it, and then there's there's. Because again, like I said, McGregor was getting like kind of crossing the line with some of the things he was saying too. But to Poirier, yeah, yeah. I mean, but did Poirier did do something to to? Not really. I think what was happening there. I think what was happening there was that because that's a complete one eighty from what yeah. he did the prior fight. And almost like people were complaining about it. Oh, McGregor, like you, you know, he's being so nice. Like that's so out of character for him. Yeah. That's probably why you lost the fight. Like you came in there like way too peaceful, way too amicable. You, you didn't have the dog in you. And now he tried to do the opposite and also get slammed. So it's like you can't win. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I felt like it was an easy low blow to like talk about the guy's wife. You know, like it's just kind of like a cheap one. It's not that clever. Whereas, like, the other stuff that he used to say, remember when he'd be like, it's red panty night when you fight me. You call your wife up. You say, get, get the red panties ready. We're eating well tonight. You know, we're fighting McGregor. We made it. You know, like, he would say stuff like that that was like, it was an insult without just being like, yeah, like, lazy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Everybody can make a mama joke or a, your girlfriend or your wife joke kind of thing. So. He kind of like he lost me on that one, but he had a few. He had a few good ones. I like how he always. So goes what after was him. Wh where did you draw the line? What was the one that upset you? He just kept talking about Poirier's wife, like saying that his wife's DMing him, and he called he called her a hoe in the ring when he was sitting down. That's um, a lot. He also was talking about murdering him. Oh. Uh, he said you can get it, you're gonna get it in like in your sleep, you and your wife. Oh. You and your wifey, like all like crazy stuff. But also, I heard this point, which is a good point. Okay. Why is Joe Rogan inter sitting down interviewing a guy who just had his leg snapped in half? I might say some crazy shit. If with a microphone shoved in my face, right when my leg is snapped in half, what's going through your head? You're free of losing your mind, dude. You're full of adrenaline. Your leg is dangling. Like, I don't even know what's going on. And it's because of this guy who's like standing right opposite of you. Yeah. I'm, I'm pissed. It's a, it's a, probably the low point of his life is what just happened to him. And then you're like, thoughts, tell the world how you feel. And he's <laughs> like, fuck you, fuck your wife. <laughs> <laughs> fuck everyone. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, duh. He's, he's, he's a bit rattled. <laughs> so I think you got to cut the guy some slack um, in that sense. But uh, at the end of the day, I guess you're still responsible for what you say. So yeah. either way, love him or hate him, he's going to have, there's going to be another McGregor fight in like a year and a half probably. And it's going to. I hate records. having to wait that long. It's actually a really annoying, right? Yeah. But at least there's a few other guys that like, I hope Sean O'Malley fights again really quick because he, he probably get will. punched. Yeah. Um, and hopefully some good uh, girl fights. Well, um, if you guys aren't following uh, the bare knuckle scene, next week is Paige Van Sant's oh. second fight against Rachel Oskovich. 
and I'm super excited. I'm gonna go up to see for sure. I wish up in Tampa. Um, I wish in bare knuckle we could blur out their faces. Like I like everything about the sport. You don't like seeing it? No, I actually I call me soft. I've gotten to a point in my life where I that type of like graphic disfigurement I'm just not interested in. I think it's gross. Even like even in MMA, when someone's face is like that guy that Sean O'Malley picked apart, when they when they called it, I'm like, thank God that guy's face looks like ground beef. <laughs> you know? Like ground beef, dude. Oh my God. Did you see that one? Yeah. The one that the, had an open in the, skull. In the early prelims, you could, they cleaned it when they pulled the blood out of that girl's, uh, off her cut. She had like an inch wide by like mm. a half inch thick cut that was, you could see straight into to her skull. It was the bone of her skull. Didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much, you know? Blur it out. That's what's nice about Blur boxing. Blur it out for the kids. Yeah, because this is I was, this is what I was saying for to Caesar actually about this. I was like, what I like about boxing is they're gonna look horrific the next day, right, or later that night. But as a viewer, majority of the time, you're gonna see two guys that look fairly okay at the end of a fight, right? Yeah. Sometimes you get a cut. Sometimes you get a you Bruce get a little super, yeah, yeah. But like, you're not destroyed and on camera. And, you know, we all have to see it. Yeah. So. That's just my two cents. Yeah. Um, well, my next training session starts in 14 minutes. Oh, damn. Yeah. Cool. All what right. was it? One hour flat. Oh, that was good. All right. That's a wrap. Um, also, stay tuned, uh, everybody, before we go. There's going to be an announcement soon about the hybrid showdown. We're going to, uh, if you haven't been paying attention, we announced the initial prize pot is going to be uh, $60,000 to start. That's all being put up by hybrid. Um it's a way that we can give back to the community and bring some of the best lifters in the world to the platform. Uh, that So far, we have it set that first place, both male and female, is going to get $20,000 each, and we're going to split up the rest of the pot down from there for uh, second male and female and third male and female. Uh, and then as sponsors come in, we're going to keep adding to that so that that prize money is going to go up and up as we get closer to the day. Uh, and we'll also be announcing the date shortly. I can't remember if I said that or not, um, but we will be doing that. So stay tuned on our social media and on the podcast so you don't miss any cool announcements. Um, as always, don't forget to screenshot this episode while you're watching. Tag us in your stories, uh, me, Steffi, Hybrid Unlimited, uh, and that automatically enters you into a draw to potentially win some Hybrid Legacy apparel. And that's it. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Intro. Yeah. Intro. Been on a roll lately. We're just riffing. <laughs> <laughs>